Act Three of The Father by August Drindberg. Translated by Edith and Warner Oland. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Father by August Drindberg. Act Three. Same scene. Another lamp on the table. The private door is barricaded with a chair. Laura to nurse. Did he give you the keys? Give them to me, no. God help me, but I took them from the master's clothes that Noid had out to brush. Oh, Noid is on duty today. Yes, Noid. Give me the keys. Yes, but this seems like downright stealing. Do you hear him walking up there, ma'am? Back and forth, back and forth. Is the door well barred? Oh, yes, it's barred well enough. Control your feelings, Margaret. We must be calm if we are to be saved. Knock. Who is it? Nurse opens door to hall. It is Noid. Let him come in. Noid comes in. A message from the Colonel. Give it to me. Reads. Ugh. Noid, have you taken all the cartridges out of the guns and pouches? Yes, ma'am. Good. Wait outside while I answer the Colonel's letter. Noid goes. Laura writes. Listen, what in the world is he doing up there now? Be quiet while I write. The sound of sawing is heard. Oh, God have mercy on us all. Where will this end? Here, give this to Noid. And my mother must not know anything about all this. Do you hear? Laura opens drawers and desk and takes out papers. The pastor comes in. He takes a chair and sits near Laura by the desk. Good evening, sister. I have been away all day, as you know, and only just got back. Terrible things have been happening here. Yes, brother. Never have I gone through such a night and such a day. I see that you are none the worse for it all. No, God be praised. But think what might have happened. Tell me one thing. How did it begin? I have heard so many different versions. It began with his wild idea of not being Berta's father, and ended with his throwing the lighted lamp in my face. But this is dreadful. It is fully developed insanity. And what is to be done now? We must try to prevent further violence, and the doctor has sent to the hospital for a straitjacket. In the meantime I have sent a message to the Colonel, and I am now trying to straighten out the affairs of the household, which he has carried on in a most reprehensible manner. This is a deplorable story, but I have always expected something of the sort. Fire and powder must end in an explosion. What have you got in the drawer there? Laura has pulled out a drawer in the desk. Look, he has hidden everything here. Pastor, looking into drawer. Good heavens! Here is your doll, and here is your christening cap, and Berta's rattle, and your letters, and the locket. Wipes his eyes. After all, he must have loved you very dearly, Laura. I never kept such things. I believe he used to love me. But time, time changes so many things. What is that big paper? The receipt for a grave. Yes, better the grave than the lunatic asylum. 
laura tell me are you blameless in all this i why should i be to blame because a man goes out of his mind well well i shan't say anything after all blood is thicker than water what do you dare to intimate now listen yes you can hardly deny that it suits you pretty well to be able to educate your child as you wish i don't understand how i admire you me hm and i am to become the guardian of that free thinker do you know i have always looked on him as a weed in our garden <laughs> and you dare to say that to me his wife you are strong laura incredibly strong you are like a fox in a trap you would rather gnaw off your own leg than let yourself be caught like a master thief no accomplice not even your own conscience look at yourself in the glass you dare not i never use a looking-glass no you dare not let me look at your hand not a tell-tale blood-stain not a trace of insidious poison a little innocent murder that the law cannot reach an unconscious crime unconscious what a splendid idea do you hear how he is working up there take care if that man gets loose he will make short work of you you talk so much you must have a bad conscience accuse me if you can i cannot you see you cannot and therefore i am innocent you take care of your ward and i will take care of mine here's the doctor doctor comes in laura rising good evening doctor you at least will help me won't you but unfortunately there is not that much that can be done do you hear how he is carrying on up there are you convinced now i am convinced that an act of violence has been committed but the question now is whether that act of violence can be considered an outbreak of passion or madness but apart from the actual outbreak you must acknowledge that he has fixed ideas i think that your ideas pastor are much more fixed my settled views about the highest things are we'll leave settled views out of this madam it rests with you to decide whether your husband is guilty to the extent of imprisonment and fine or should be put in an asylum how do you class his behaviour i cannot answer that now that is to say you have no decided opinion as to what will be the most advantageous to the interests of the family what do you say pastor well there will be a scandal in either case it is not easy to say but if he is only sentenced to a fine for violence he will be able to repeat the violence and if he is sent to prison he will soon be out again therefore we consider it most advantageous for all parties that he should be immediately treated as insane where is the nurse why she must put the straitjacket on the patient when i have talked to him and given the order but not before i have the garment out here goes out into the hall and returns with a large bundle please ask the nurse to come in here laura rings dreadful dreadful nurse comes in doctor takes out the straitjacket i want you to pay attention to this we want you to slip this jacket on the captain from behind you understand when i find it necessary to prevent another outbreak of violence you notice it has very long sleeves to prevent his moving and they are to be tied at the back 
Here are two straps that go through buckles, which are afterwards fastened to the arm of a chair or the sofa, or whatever is convenient. Will you do it? No, doctor, I can't do that. I can't. Why don't you do it yourself, doctor? Because the patient distrusts me. You, madam, would seem to be the one to do it, but I fear he distrusts even you. Laura's face changes for an instant. Perhaps you, pastor. No, I must ask to be excused. Noid comes in. Have you delivered the message already? Yes, madam. Oh, is it you, Noid? You know the circumstances here. You know that the captain is out of his mind, and you must help us to take care of him. If there's anything I can do for the captain, you may be sure I will do it. You must put this jacket on him. No, he shan't touch him. Noid might hurt him. I would rather do it myself, very, very gently. But Noid can wait outside and help me if necessary. He can do that. There is loud knocking on the private door. There he is. Put the jacket under your shawl on the chair, and you must all go out for the time being, and the pastor and I will receive him, for that door will not hold out many minutes. Now, go. Nurse, going out left. The Lord help us. Laura locks desk, then goes out left. Noid goes out back. After a moment... The private door is forced open with such violence that the lock is broken and the chair is thrown into the middle of the room. The captain comes in with a pile of books under his arm, which he puts on the table. The whole thing is to be read here in every book, so I wasn't out of my mind after all. Here it is in the Odyssey, book first. Verse 215, page 6 of the Uppsala translation. It is Telemachus speaking to Athene. My mother indeed maintains that he, Odysseus, is my father, but I myself know it not, for no man yet hath known his own origin. And this suspicion is harbored by Telemachus about Penelope, the most virtuous of women. Beautiful, huh? And here we have the prophet Ezekiel. The fool saith, Behold, here is my father, but who can tell whose loins engendered him? That's quite clear. And what have we here? The History of Russian Literature, by Merzlikov. Alexander Pushkin, Russia's greatest poet, died of torture from the reports circulated about his wife's unfaithfulness, rather than a bullet in his breast from a duel. On his deathbed he swore she was innocent. Ass! Ass! How could he swear to it? You see, I read my books. Ah, Jonas, are you here? And the doctor, naturally. Have you heard what I answered when an English lady complained about Irishmen who used to throw lighted lamps in their wives' faces? God, what women! I cried. Women? she gasped. Yes, of course, I answered. When things go so far that a man, a man who loved and worshipped a woman, takes a lighted lamp and throws it in her face, then one may know. Know what? Nothing. One never knows anything. One only believes. Isn't that true, Jonas? One believes, and then one is saved. Yes, to be sure. No, 
I know that one can be damned by his faith. I know that. Captain. Silence. I don't want to talk to you. I won't listen to you repeating their chatter in there like a telephone. In there, you know. Look here, Jonas. Do you believe that you were the father of your children? I remember that you had a tutor in your house, who had a handsome face, and the people gossiped about him. Adolf, take care. Grope under your toupee, and feel if there are not two bumps there. By my soul, I believe he turns pale. Yes, yes, they will talk. A good Lord, they talk so much. Still, we are a lot of ridiculous dupes, we married men. Isn't that true, doctor? How was it with your marriage bed? Didn't you have a lieutenant in the house, huh? Wait a moment, and I will make a guess. His name was... Whispers in the doctor's ear. You see, he turns pale, too. Don't be disturbed. She is dead and buried, and what is done can't be undone. I knew him well, by the way, and he is now... Look at me, doctor. No, straight in my eyes. A major in the cavalry. By God, if I don't believe he has horns, too. Captain, won't you talk about something else? Do you see? He immediately wants to talk of something else when I mention horns. Do you know, Adolf, that you are insane? Yes, I know that well enough. But if I only had the handling of your illustrious brains for a while, I'd soon have you shut up, too. I am mad. But how did I become so? That doesn't concern you, and it doesn't concern anyone. But you want to talk of something else now. Takes the photograph album from the table. Good Lord, that is my child. Mine? We can never know. Do you know what we would have to do to make sure? First, one should marry to get the respect of society, then be divorced soon after and become lovers, and finally adopt the children. Then one would at least be sure that they were once adopted children. Isn't that right? But how can all that help us now? What can keep me, now that you have taken my conception of immortality from me? What use is science and philosophy to me when I have nothing to live for? What can I do with life when I am dishonored? I grafted my right arm, half my brain, half my marrow on another trunk, for I believed they would knit themselves together and grow into a more perfect tree. And then someone came with a knife and cut below the graft. And now I am only half a tree. But the other half goes on growing with my arm and half my brain while I wither and die, for they were the best parts I gave away. Now I want to die. Do with me as you will. I am no more. Buries his head on his arms on table. The doctor whispers to the pastor, and they go out through the door left. 
soon after bertha comes in bertha goes up to captain are you ill father captain looks up dazed i do you know what you have done do you know that you threw a lamp at mother did i yes you did just think if she had been hurt what would that have mattered you are not my father when you talk like that what do you say am i not your father how do you know that who told you that and who is your father then who not you at any rate still not i who then who you seem to be well informed who told you that i should live to see my child come and tell me to my face that i am not her father don't you know that you disgrace your mother when you say that don't you know that it is to her shame if it is so don't say anything bad about mother do you hear no you hold together every one of you against me and you have always done so father don't use that word again father father captain draws her to him Better dear dear child you are my child yes yes it cannot be otherwise it is so the other was only sickly thoughts that come with the wind like pestilence and fever look at me that i may see my soul in your eyes but i see her soul too you have two souls and you love me with one and hate me with the other but you must only love me you must have only one soul or you will never have peace nor i either you must have only one mind which is the child of my mind and one will which is my will but i don't want to i want to be by myself you must not you see i am a cannibal and i want to eat you your mother wanted to eat me but she was not allowed to i am saturn who ate his children because it had been prophesied that they would eat him to eat or be eaten that is the question if i do not eat you you will eat me and you have already shown your teeth but don't be frightened my dear child i won't harm you goes and takes a revolver from the wall bertha trying to escape help mother help he wants to kill me nurse comes in mr adolph what is it captain examining revolver have you taken out the cartridges yes i put them away when i was tidying up but sit down and be quiet and i'll get them out again she takes the captain by the arm and gets him into a chair into which he sinks feebly then she takes out the straitjacket and goes behind the chair bertha slips out left mr adolph do you remember when you were my dear little boy and i tucked you in at night and used to repeat god who holds his children dear to you and do you remember how i used to get up in the night and give you a drink how i would light the candle and tell you stories when you had bad dreams and couldn't sleep do you remember all that go on talking margaret it soothes my head so tell me some more oh yes but you must listen then do you remember when you took the big kitchen knife and wanted to cut out boats with it 
and how I came in and had to get the knife away by fooling you. You were just a little child who didn't understand, so I had to fool you, for you didn't know that it was for your own good. Give me that snake, I said, or it will bite you, and then you let go of the knife. Takes the revolver out of the captain's hand. And then, when you had to be dressed and didn't want to, I had to coax you and say that you should have a coat of gold and be dressed like a prince. And then I took your little blouse that was just made of green wool and held it in front of you and said, In with both arms. And then I said, Now sit nice and still while I button it down the back. She puts the straitjacket on. And then I said, Get up now and walk across the floor like a good boy so I can see how it fits. She leads him to the sofa. And then I said, now you must go to bed. What did you say? Was I to go to bed when I was dressed? Damnation! What have you done to me? Tries to get free. Ah, you cunning devil of a woman! Who would have thought you had so much wit? Lies down on sofa. Trapped, shorn, outwitted, and not to be able to die. Forgive me, Mr. Adolf, forgive me, but I wanted to keep you from killing your child. Why didn't you let me? You say life is hell and death the kingdom of heaven and children belong to heaven. How do you know what comes after death? That is the only thing we do know, but of life we know nothing. Oh, if one had only known from the beginning. Mr. Adolf, humble your hard heart and cry to God for mercy. It is not yet too late. It was not too late for the thief on the cross, when the Saviour said, Today shalt thou be with me in paradise. Are you croaking for a corpse already, you old crow? Nurse takes a hymn-book out of her pocket. Noid. Noid comes in. Throw this woman out. She wants to suffocate me with her hymn-book. Throw her out of the window, or, or up the chimney, or anywhere. Heaven help you, Captain, but I can't do that. I can't. If it were only six men. But a woman? Can you manage one woman, eh? Well, of course I can, but, well, you see, it's queer. But one never wants to lay hands on a woman. Why not? Haven't they laid hands on me? Yes, but I can't, Captain. It's just as if you asked me to strike the pastor. It's second nature. Like religion, I can't. Laura comes in. She motions Noy to go. Om folly, om folly. Oh, now, now you play with the club while Hercules spins your wool. Laura goes to sofa. Adolf, look at me. Do you believe that I am your enemy? Yes, I do. I believe that you are all my enemies. My mother was my enemy when she did not want to bring me into the world because I was to be born with pain, and she robbed my embryonic life of its nourishment and made a weakling of me. My sister was my enemy when she taught me that I must be submissive to her. The first woman I embraced was my enemy for she gave me ten years of illness in return for the love I gave her. My daughter became my enemy when she had to choose between me and you. And you, my wife, 
you have been my arch-enemy because you never let up on me till i lay here lifeless i don't know that i ever thought or even intended what you think i did it may be that a dim desire to get rid of you as an obstacle lay at the bottom of it and if you see any design in my behaviour it is possible that it existed although i was unconscious of it i have never thought how it all came about but it is the result of the course you yourself laid out. And before God and my conscience I feel that I am innocent, even if I am not. Your existence has lain like a stone on my heart, lain so heavily that I tried to shake off the oppressive burden. This is the truth. And if I have unconsciously struck you down, I ask your forgiveness all that sounds plausible but how does it help me and whose fault is it perhaps spiritual marriages formerly one married a wife now one enters into partnership with a business woman or goes to live with a friend and then one ruins the partner and dishonors the friend what has become of love healthy sensuous love it died in the transformation and what is the result of this love in shares payable to the bearer without joint liability who is the bearer when the crash comes who is the fleshly father of the spiritual child and as for your suspicions about the child they are absolutely groundless that's just what makes it so horrible if at least there were any grounds for them, it would be something to get hold of, to cling to. Now there are only shadows that hide themselves in the bushes and stick out their heads and grin. It is like fighting with the air, or firing blank cartridges in a sham fight. A fatal reality would have called forth resistance, stirred life and soul to action, but now my thoughts dissolve into air and my brain grinds a void until it is on fire put a pillow under my head throw something over me i am cold i am terribly cold laura takes her shawl and spreads it over him nurse goes to get a pillow give me your hand friend my hand the hand that you have bound hum folly Omphali! But I feel your shawl against my mouth. It is warm and soft as your arm, and it smells of vanilla, like your hair when you were young. Laura, when you were young, we walked in the birch woods with the primroses and the thrushes. Glorious, glorious! Think how beautiful life was, and what it is now. You didn't want to have it like this, nor did I, and yet it happened. Who then rules over life? God alone rules. The god of strife, then, or the goddess, perhaps, nowadays. Take away the cat that is lying on me. Take it away. Nurse brings in a pillow and takes the shawl away. Give me my army coat. Throw it over me. Nurse gets the coat and puts it over him. 
Ah, my rough lion-skin that you wanted to take away from me. Um, folly, um, folly, you cunning woman, champion of peace and contriver of men's disarmament. Wake, Hercules, before they take your club away from you. You would wile our armor from us, too, and make believe that it is nothing but glittering finery. No, it was iron, let me tell you, before it ever glittered. In olden days the smith made the armor. Now it is the needlewoman. Umfali, umfali, rude strength has fallen before treacherous weakness. Out on you, infernal woman, and damnation on your sex. He raises himself to spit, but falls back on the sofa. What have you given me for a pillow, Margaret? It's so hard and so cold, so cold. Come and sit near me. There. May I put my head on your knee? So? Ah, this is warm. Bend over me so that I can feel your breast. It is sweet to sleep against a woman's breast, or a mother's, or a mistress's, but the mother's is sweetest. Would you like to see your child, Adolf? My child? A man has no children. It is only woman who has children, and therefore the future is hers when we die childless. Oh, God, who holds his children dear. Listen. He is praying to God. No, to you, to put me to sleep, for I am tired, so tired. Good night, Margaret, and blessed be you among women. He raises himself, but falls with a cry on the nurse's lap. Laura goes to left and calls the doctor, who comes in with the pastor. Help us, doctor, if it isn't too late. Look, he has stopped breathing. Doctor feels the captain's pulse. It is a stroke. Is he dead? No, he may yet come back to life. But to what an awakening we cannot tell. First death, and then the judgment. No judgment and no accusations. You who believe that a god shapes man's destiny must go to him about this. Ah, oh, pastor, with his last breath he prayed to God. Is that true? It is. In that case, which I can understand as little as the cause of his illness, my skill is at an end. You try yours now, pastor. Is that all you have to say at this deathbed, doctor? That is all. I know no more. Let him speak who knows more. Bertha comes in from left and runs to her mother. My child, my own child. Amen. Curtain. End of Act Three. End of the Father by August Strindberg. Translated by Edith and Warner Oland.